When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 11 o'clock, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on this Thursday morning. Plenty to get to over the course of the next hour. I want to start off with this. This is something that we kind of talked about a little bit yesterday, of course, with the you know most recent ads in the transfer portal being Robbie Ashford and then... Um, um, What's his name? Kamar uh, Bell. Kamar Bell from Florida Atlantic. That's why you have us here, yesterday. Tom. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're, we help each other out there. There are 17 of them. There are. So yeah, that, name them all right I now. I was going to say, so, no, it's funny. We, um, I did the, um, the, the walkthrough podcast with intern Joe yeah, on Sunday, yeah. and we were talking about transfer portal guys and stuff like that. And literally in the middle of talking about it, I had to bring up the list because there are sure. so many, and it's hard to remember all the guys they've brought in over the course of the past month. But but Wes and I were talking about this in the last hour. You know, South Carolina obviously sits at number five in the most recent on three transfer portal team rankings, and there's going to be another cycle coming up in, in the springtime where, um, you know, can certainly add a, a few more pieces. But when you look up and down at what South Carolina's done in the past month, they've addressed so many areas of need. And, yeah, we talk about maybe you go out and get, you know, a taller wide receiver or something like that, but you've still brought in three guys out of the transfer portal to fill those holes you had right there. And, and again, you know, you've filled in all these needs in all these specific areas. You've addressed depth on places like the offensive line, the defensive line, that, again, we still got to wait and see what these guys are going to be when they finally hit the field. Um, you know, come fall time. But, you know, as a whole, you feel pretty good about what uh, Carolina's been able to do so far. Chris, if you were writing an article, which one of us may still write this article, about addressing the overall needs mm-hmm. in the transfer portal, and you just had, like, little check boxes, I feel like you're, you'd probably sit there, you'd be like, check, 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 check. And then in one glaring section where you said, what's left? it would be a true X wide receiver. And what you mean when you say that is the alpha, the guy, the guy you're throwing to on third and seven when you have to have a first down, the the dude who the opponent, I look at it like this, the dude who the opponent goes into game planning each week and says, we got to know where that guy is on the field. But otherwise, I mean, let's look at their absolute greatest needs. That's one of them. But going into the offseason, we said they have to address running back. And, I mean, they did that in spades. I I almost feel like they addressed that so quickly and so efficiently that it's been a little bit lost just Mm -hmm. how big that was to add in Rocket Sanders and to add in Oscar Attaway and to add in um, Howell from SC State. And so I I think for for them, there's a little bit almost – it's kind of like – our attention spans are so small and everything else as well that the portal is is perfect for the TikTok generation because it's like it all happens in the blink of an eye. And it's two years of recruiting just crammed into a couple of weeks. So the second, oh, we got Rocket Sanders. Who's next? Well, who's next? What's next? But they, they really have truly addressed needs all the way from, hey, this guy's going to be asked to start. This guy's going to be asked to push 
for a starting job down to, frankly, this guy may not start, but is going to have a chance to play a role and to provide depth. Yeah, you, you have different levels to, I think, all these transfers. And, you know, I think you go through every, really every single position with the exception of a couple. Like, we couldn't look and say, oh, South Carolina upgraded at kicker in the transfer portal, right? They, did, they didn't do that. They lost a kicker, and Mitch Jeter is very reliable. They, you know, did not bring one in. They're going to be relying on the guys that they've got in the roster. Running back is the most extreme example, as you pointed out, of how they took a position that had plenty of questions. Remember all the questions going into last spring, the summer, into the preseason, and, hey, they persisted during the season, too, about what they were going to do at running back, right? You, you go into last season, and it was last spring, really, and it was, all right, can on Joyner make a successful transition to running back? Um what will Mario Anderson look like as far as transitioning from, you know, D2 up to the – all the way up to the SEC level? What can you get from Braswell as a freshman? Now you've got more – you just have a lot more clarity there because you have a guy in Rocket Sanders that has rushed for 1,400 yards in the SEC. You, you don't have to imagine that as much. There's still some projecting to do. How, you know, how does he fit in the scheme? Does he stay healthy? All these things. But you've got him – You've got Oscar Attaway, who's played a lot of ball and averaged six yards a carry, and you've got Jawarn Howell, and you've still got Braswell there. So you have a lot more um, that you can bank on there, quite frankly. But then you look at some other spots, and I think there's a question of just, hey, on paper they've improved, right? They've gotten some depth. They've gotten some experience pieces. How much better can they be? And I think one of those spots is, you know, at the edge position, for instance, another position that had plenty of questions going into last year. I, I like the combination, if you want to talk about edge in particular, adding in a Kyle Kennard while also adding in a Dylan Stewart from the high school ranks. Oh, yeah. Like, to me, that's that's there's some nice balance there. Then, of course, you add in Gilbert Edmond as well. But to me, there's some balance in bringing in an older guy who's done it versus also bringing in a – hyper-athletic, like elite of the elite high school guy as well. And so that, that's what they did there. You kind of, you know, you kind of know what you get with, with Edmund, but also I think important to point out with Gilbert Edmund, there may still be some upside here to go. He he did not quite have the traditional stats at Florida State that he had the year before at South Carolina. If you dive into the PFF stuff, again, not the end-all, be-all, he graded out better by PFF this past season did it than he did the season before. And I remember, Chris, us hearing kind of after seeing what he did the one year at South Carolina, even going into that year, the Gamecocks kind of feeling internally like, hey, this guy is making strides. This guy has shown progress. And he was always kind of a developmental guy mm-hmm. when they landed him. So is there still some upside here to go with Gilbert Edmond? I, I think is an interesting question. I also think even if Edmund is just the the baseline of what we've seen, you know he's at least he's played a year of SEC ball and he's played a year as a reserve of ACC ball with a team that won the conference championship. So at the very least, that's a guy you can roll out there as a depth guy and say, we know what we're getting out of him at this point. Sure. 
I talked about this a little bit earlier, and again, South Carolina's number three in the, or number five, excuse me, in the latest on three team transfer portal rankings. A lot of people view success in the transfer portal by the brand names that you get. And hey, this big name guy went to this school or that school or whatever it may be. And I think you would argue that Rocket Sanders is probably the biggest name that South Carolina got from a national standpoint of what, hey, you know, the casual college football fan is likely to know Rocket Sanders more than these other guys that South Carolina's been able to bring in. You saw his production a couple seasons ago when he was healthy, um, you know, back in 2022. Who's the number two guy? And again, not that this necessarily matters at the end of the day, but as far as like most well-known names, and again, South Carolina's done a good job addressing all these areas through various you know means with different schools and stuff like that. Who, in your opinion, is probably that second most well-known guy that South Carolina's been able to bring in in this cycle? Just well-known, like random fans would would know him. Not just knowing, but like having seen that production, you know, out of and. You kind of lean more towards Power 5 schools with this, I guess. But a name like, oh, yeah, I know about that guy. He's really good. He's going to be a good ad for South Carolina. I feel like it's Rocket and then just in in that terminology, it's Rocket and then probably a pretty decent space before you get to the next guy. Um, Gilbert Edmond. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, like, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it, it might be that. Yeah. Again, coming from Florida State and was a part of what was a very good defense, didn't factor in as much as maybe he would have liked to when he transferred down there. But, um, you know, it is an interesting question to ask. And, again, not that that necessarily matters at the end of the day, but so many people gauge success in the transfer portal of, oh, wow, you got three or four of these big-name guys coming to your school, like what Ole Miss has been able to bring in. And South Carolina is not necessarily in that regard, but they've brought in so many different pieces in so many areas. It's still a quality class, even if it doesn't have all those huge names so let's try to size this up i i look at i look at portal additions maybe in three different categories and and the first category is power five who who like chris said you you don't have to imagine it you've seen it and so there are there are few i would say there are very few guys that are just like like Caleb Downs would fall in this category. He's now the number one prospect in the portal, probably yeah. of anybody who entered the portal this offseason. Well, so you got a, a guy like that is in the portal, has done it at the Power 5 level. That would have been like a Spencer Rattler for, for South yes. Carolina coming in a couple of years ago. Those guys are very hard to get. Then here here's where I think fan reaction and expectation differs from reality once you get past that group i 100 percent would take the super productive guy coming from a quote-unquote smaller school versus not productive guy at power five school Mm -hmm. but when fans when fans, see, I, I can tell you just by the reaction to us posting on commitments on social media, the reactions to getting a guy from Alabama and Oklahoma from random fans. I mean, the, the numbers on just the tweet for those commits as far mm-hmm. as how many times it got shared, reacted to, all, insane. Mm-hmm. But I, I, as somebody who's like paid attention... I feel better about the addition of a Brady Hunt. That's where I was going to go, yeah. You know, a Torricelli, Torricelli Simpkins 
is going to put the third is going to push for a starting position for South Carolina. I 100% believe Gage Larvadan has been a stud the last two seasons at two different schools, but it is going to come in and and push for a starting position right off the bat. So I, I think that's where there's a little bit of a disconnect in the expectations from the fans versus, you know, what, what I think, the, the way I see the staff looking at these guys in terms of their expectations. Well, and a, a really good example of this, pretty recent. So look back at the 2022 recruiting class. When fans heard, oh, they're recruiting this kid named Juice Wells. He's from James Madison. And you can look at the number. Man, that guy put up some numbers. Which at the time was FCS. FCS. And, and you go, oh, I mean, he looks pretty good. Like, will it translate? You know, we'll see. Versus different position, but Lavoisier Carroll, former four star, Gamecock fans remembered him from recruiting because he almost came here out out of high school, went to Georgia, right? Now, Lavoisier Carroll at that time, and unfortunately, had to give up football, which is a huge bummer because I think he had a lot of potential. But he he had switched from running back to DB at Georgia. He had not done as much, whereas Juice Wells had gone and been a, a superstar, set records in a couple years at James Madison. and But you could even from that reaction, like the social sentiment, like you said, Wes, was, oh, man, we got this four-star from Georgia. This is going to be awesome. And then you compare it to the once things played out, the meltdown when Juice Wells leaves is completely the opposite from when you get him. So there's something to be said from – now, Rocket Sanders is the best of both worlds. He's played in the SEC. He's rushed for 1,400 yards. Like, you know what you're getting there. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll have more on this. We'll continue our conversation about the transfer portal. We'll get into some more of the Alabama stuff as well as, uh, you know, kind of revisit our conversation with Pete Nakos from the last hour as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Rolls along. Quick reminder, coming up on Sunday, get women's basketball back in action on the road, taking on Texas a and pregame coverage starting at 4.30. Tip off at 5 o'clock right here on the game. Uh, again, more portal conversation coming up here on the game. The 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on the Game TV. Brought to you by our friends at Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Ed, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on this Thursday morning. Reminder coming up tonight at 6 o'clock right here on the game. It is Carolina Calls with Coach Paris as he'll uh, recap what happened the other night against Georgia. Look ahead to the game they have this weekend taking on Arkansas against 6 o'clock right here on the game. I, I want to continue this conversation that we're having about the transfer portal. And again, South Carolina maybe doesn't have the huge brand names outside of like Rocket Sanders that, um, you know, some of these other schools that are higher on this list of the transfer portal have, the Ole, the Ole Misses, the Florida States, stuff like that. Let's take Rocket Sanders out of the equation here. If you polled the general consensus of South Carolina fans, who, what player in the transfer portal class they're probably most excited to see, again, outside of Sanders, who do you think they would say? Are, are they, do, do they know ball? Let's, <laughs> let's assume they know ball, Yes. I mean, man, that's a good question. I I would, pro. All right, ra- random fans always go skill players too, mm-hmm. sure. unless it's Jadavian Clowney or something. <laughs> I would probably say Gage Larverden. Yeah, that's that's where I was gonna go with it. Um, dude, Jer- Jared Brown is a really good football player. Yes. 
here's the question along the same lines. If if South Carolina does not add a big name receiver to this bunch, who who is the receiver this time next year that everybody is talking about that emerged as South Carolina's guy? Like who who from this list goes from oh yeah, we got that guy to everybody that knows South Carolina and knows the name. Are we only talking in terms of the transfer portal guys? Yes. Okay. Unless you firmly believe it's somebody else. Well, and that that's entirely possible. Um and again, it's all these guys kind of run together to a point, but it was uh Huggins Bruce has played a lot of wide and slot if I remember correctly in his time at Louisville. They kind of split him between both. Now, all these guys have the opportunity to play those multiple spots. The 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 interesting thing there is, so both both Larvadan and Huggins Bruce have played inside or outside, slot or outside, and then Jared Brown, who actually is the biggest of these guys, mm-hmm. and you would look at him and think, out of this group, he's most likely to play outside and be your your ex receiver. He's played more slot than any of them. He he almost exclusively was in the slot at Coastal, and most of his damage is taking short passes and then turning them into big gains. Like that 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 is his game. I, I feel like in a in a perfect world, he's still playing in the slot, but it, it's not a perfect situation yet. So I I think a huge sort of storyline for this spring is going to be for them to figure out how to best line these guys up. If, you know, here's the thing. I, I, we don't know what will happen. We we know that South Carolina would like to take another, like you said, Wes, like the X type of receiver, a guy that you could look at and point at and say, that guy right there could catch 50 balls, 60 balls, and be your number one guy. And you you would you would love that if you're the coaching staff, if you're a fan. Let's say it's more along the lines of, yeah, maybe they do get an X receiver who's six one six two has a little bit more length than some of these other guys they've added, but maybe he's not, you know, a top dog type of guy. You know, he's just a good addition. He can be a starter for you. And then you factor in what they brought in, what they already have on the roster. This is probably going to need to be a team that isn't so reliant on that one guy, right? And now they've got some guys who've caught a lot of balls. I mean, Gage, Jared Brown, these guys have caught a lot of balls. And maybe they add somebody from the from the portal after the spring that falls into that same category. For me, this team may need to be, and this is a, a big leap, right? But you may need to be in terms of spreading the ball around like the 2012 Gamecocks. Now, that team, let, let me, <laughs> don't say I said that they're going to be like that team. That, for my money, was the best Gamecocks team ever, I think. Loaded with talent. Starters that had a great defense. That they had Connor Shaw, great quarterback, mobile quarterback, and you could run the football obviously with Marcus Lattimore. But that team did not have an abundance of big receivers, right? You had, I mean, the leading receiver that year was Ace Sanders. He caught forty-five balls. Behind him was Bruce Ellington, another smaller guy. He caught forty passes. You had Justice Cunningham. You had. Buster Anderson, you had Marcus Lattimore catching balls out of the backfield. You had Demir Bird. And Kenny Miles. 
and then you had Demir Bird, and you had Nicky Jones. Like, all smaller guys with speed or different skill sets. And so, and you do that after coming off having that alpha Alshon Jeffrey type receiver. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't think even, you know, today's college ball, you don't have to have a bigger yeah. receiver. It's ideal. You'd like to have one. Yeah, you don't have to. But so, but you you do have to have somebody go play the X, sure. Regardless well, it, of size. So, who which of these guys is that? Out of these guys, uh, go either way. I, I mean, know, you can make a case for all of them. And, and again, we we don't know how big Harbor's development's going to be going into your number two, where maybe he's they're confident enough in him being that X guy. Because again, he's obviously got the size for it and did play more as the season went along. And we'll see what what kind of steps he makes this offseason. So it could be him. And um, I still think you need to go out and address that position in the portal just in case to at least bring in some more experience there to where you're not having to rely on him to be that guy if nothing else happens. Um, that, could ha- that could happen, certainly. But I think, again, you can make a case for all three of these guys coming in the portal being so similar in skill set and size that any of them could fill that void. Yeah, and I, I look at it more... All right, who who has the skill set? And the re, the reason you want size at that position is that for one, generally a a, a lot of your not all but your your routes are going to be designed a lot of times to go to that X receiver. They're lined up on the line of scrimmage as opposed to off of it like a slot guy, so they're going to be more susceptible to jams at the line of scrimmage, which that size can help you get off of those jams and a lot of times they're going to be running routes down the field, whereas your slot guys are going to be running a lot more crossers, underneath, quick outs, shallow cross type stuff. So that that's not every play, obviously. Every position can run. You know, you see slot guys running down the seam or running uh, slot fade. Slot guys can, can, have, can catch the football down the field as well. But for the most part, as a percentage, the outside guys, it seems like, are going to catch more balls down the field. Well, and you're going to want that X guy for when you're wanting high point balls, being able to go up there and get it. And again, your typical DB is running anywhere between you know five ten to six feet. So having that size advantage of those guys for those high pointed catches gives you an advantage when you have somebody in the six two six three range. Yeah, and that that's what Leggett gave you this past year. Is he was a he was someone who could catch the football down the field. Fifty fifty balls were more like seventy five twenty five with him but also could could catch the underneath route, use his size, use his speed to break tackles and, and create things there as well. So uh, w- will you have that one true top receiver? I don't know, but I-, I think somebody just emerging, showing they can you know, do the things required of that position are, is more important than necessarily the size there. I mean, I, I looked just out of curiosity. Again, no, nobody on this roster is Tyreek Hill, but I, I was just curious – because he is what I think of when I think of the ideal slot receiver. Sure. He plays a ton of outside receiver mm-hmm. for Miami. So you can structure this stuff a, a lot of different ways, but ultimately the size just gives you a little bit extra advantage in getting off of the man press that you're going to see a lot of times in this league from top cornerbacks. You already hear first. Gage Larverdane is the Tyreek Hill of South Carolina in 2024. Wes Mitchell. <laughs> Um, again, South Carolina, we should all feel good about what they've done in the transfer portal so far. One fan base that's not feeling so great about the portal right now is obviously Alabama's with the mass exodus of talent uh, since Nick Saban retired a week ago. We'll kind of get back in that conversation, revisit a little bit what we talked about with Pete Nakos in the last hour coming up. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming on the Game TV presented by Shepherd's Glass.
Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on this Thursday morning. I want to remind you we're going to have more chances for you to win tickets to this weekend's Columbia RV Expo going on at the State Fairgrounds starting uh, tomorrow, running through Sunday. Keep it locked right here on the game for your next chance to win. As always, you can also listen to us on the 107.5 The Game app. Download it from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and take us wherever you go. Continue to talk about the transfer portal. Obviously, South Carolina feels uh, good about what they've done in the portal so far. One fan base that's not feeling so great of what's transpired over the past week is Alabama's 26 players in the transfer portal. A lot of those guys being starters from this past year's team. Greg Byrne, the athletic director from Alabama, was on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday. Gave his thoughts on, uh, again, the exodus of talent that uh, Alabama has suffered over these past couple days. Yeah, you, you absolutely don't like it. You don't like it for uh, the team. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you this, Paul, you, you've been around, you've been in a lot of places. Alabama is such a special place. The investment that we make in our young men and young women across the board for our sports and what we do uh, from an academic support, medical support, mental health, nutrition, across the board is as good as any place in the country. And we've had young men and young women transfer in here from very prominent universities and say, my gosh, I had no idea how good I was going to get treated at Alabama compared to where I came from. And we have young men and young women who have transferred out of here who have called back and said, I didn't know how well I had it at Alabama. And so we have been, we obviously, we don't want that. We, we understand why, why young men and young women at times explore their options. And we try to be very transparent and honest with them during that time. That's the best thing that we can do. But we say it with all the good intentions and the truth that we think this is the best place in the country for, for a student athlete to come to school and, and compete at the highest levels and everything that they do. So uh, it's part of it. It's reality. NIL is part of it. You know, we, we have been uh, very, uh, try to be progressive with our NIL approach. It's reality. I'm wearing my Yay Alabama pullover right now, which we've had almost a thousand new members just since we announced Coach DeBoer. We got we have to continue to get people to sign up and be a part of that because it's a reality of the world we're facing. And we, you know, Coach Saban did such a great job of continuing to adapt to what the realities of the world are. We're doing. We're going to continue to do the same thing. So, um, you know. If a young man goes into the transfer portal, we try to be very transparent with them and talk with them through that and be strategic with them. Um, and at the same time, too, uh, we won't uh, we certainly uh, uh, won't fault somebody if they if they are interested in it. But we also are very confident. We think this is the best place in the country by far for anybody to go to school. And again, Alabama is a brand and will continue to be a brand in the world of college football and you know that there are going to be some players that were going to jump in the transfer portal and seek options elsewhere but I do think it's come as a surprise to a lot of people that that many have decided you know what just because Saban's not here anymore I'm going to try my options elsewhere I don't know about this Kalen DeBoer guy which again I think everybody expects him to be a good head coach I don't think we were expecting as many players and in fact um, our guy Pete Nakos from On3 just confirmed a few minutes ago that Caden Proctor is now officially in the transfer portal the uh, five-star offensive lineman that started out the, for them this past season I just think it was the sheer number of guys that have gone into the portal so far that uh, took a lot of people by surprise y'all saw he clearly got his recruiting pitch in there Mm-hmm. While he was at it, he he almost if you shut your eyes, he sounds a little bit like Saban a little bit. talking. Yeah, I, I feel like like I think that's one of those things where you're around someone for long enough, you start to kind of take some of the intricacies of how they communicate. He didn't throw in a I. I was waiting. That was the for only him. thing I was waiting for it. I mean, 
Yeah, just the, I don't know, something about the way he talks kind of reminds me of Saban. But, yeah, Chris, we were talking earlier, man. If you're Bama, like like one thing that I think we, we all thought it made sense, hey, if a coach leaves, the guy should be able to leave. So, oh, yeah, 30-day 30, 30 window, that makes all the sense in the world. Well, what we didn't sort of consider, or maybe they considered it and didn't care, is that the for the for everybody else, most of these kids have already found their home. So for all intents and purposes, the portal is closed. Like most of the guys are already moved in, starting classes at their new school. So if you have a coaching change at an inopportune time, you're gonna lose guys with no real opportunity to fill those spots. And not that anybody's sitting at home feeling bad for Alabama, of all people, but but seriously, like I, I don't know where you go. The high school calendar has been sped up so quick. It's not like they could just say, hey, we're going to go sign 10 four-stars because we're Alabama. We'll just be young. And, yeah, there's going to be a spring portal window. They'll, they'll do the best they can there, but a, a lot of the guys who were going to transfer – will have already gone through the process. Yeah, I mean, you're you're going to lose guys. I mean, look at the year that Georgia had, right? And and then they still had guys transfer. FSU, same thing. Like, some of it you chalk up to, okay, transfers. Even even some ones that you got, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. All of them make sense now, and that they don't make sense. You know, you're, you're going to see some that just, uh, that, I don't get that one. Okay, you just chalk it up to the era. But this situation at Alabama... You know, honestly, guys, I'm not surprised at the at the amount that we've seen. I, I don't know. I don't think that's like a hot take or anything. I just think so much of Bama. It is a brand, like you said, Tyler. But Saban is the one that turned them into the the whole the hashtag built by Bama. Like mm-hmm. that was Saban. It might as well have been Saban University during his reign. And remember, he had that recruiting pitch that went viral. Um, somebody recorded it. Him going through all those things. Hey. You can play here because here's how many kids have played here. And if, if they're telling you you can't play here, that's just insulting you and saying Bama's better. And we've produced X amount of NFL players. The second school was, you know, huge gap, right? So that was the standard. And so a lot of kids, they wanted to sign up for that. And now that he's not there, it's more of a question. And in this new era, you can look around and go, okay, well, Georgia, right? <laughs> they, they, right. They're, they're the best next option or another school. And, and that's something that Wes and I talked about with Pete Nikos in, in the last hour where, again, Alabama kind of had this benefit of the doubt when it came to recruits. Like, hey, if I go there and I can earn a starting job, I'm going to have a really good shot at going to the NFL just because they produce talent, you know, at a constant rate uh, at that school to where NAL, not that it wasn't important, but it wasn't the end-all be-all like we see it at so many places in this new era of college football and now, and, you know, obviously these numbers aren't public, but the thought is that Alabama Bama's NIL doesn't quite stack up with some of the other ones around the country. Not to say that it can't, but they're just not there as of right now. And, um, you know, that's something that Kalen DeBoer is going to have to address in the course of a bunch of other things this offseason of getting them to that level where they can compete on the NIL front because they don't have the Saban aspect of it to sell to recruits anymore. Yeah, Chris, we were talking earlier, man. They had what I've seen called the Saban discount. And I feel like, I, I mean, I didn't coin that. That's the perfect way to say it, though. And I think it probably is a little bit similar to if if you're Dawn Staley and you're recruiting for women's basketball, you're you're not really selling. Yeah, you're selling a vision, but you're also selling 
facts. Like yeah. you, you can sit there and say they've done it. That you, you see what we did with Aaliyah Boston. Like this was the absolute perfect track. Asia Wilson, everything that was talked about happened mm-hmm. from both an individual standpoint and a team standpoint. Mm-hmm. That that's pretty rare in athletics when. It's all about sales and recruiting and, hey, we want to do this, 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 this. If you're Don Staley, you can just say, look at the banners mm-hmm. and look at the pictures on the wall. If you're Nick Saban, you can say the same. And so NIL, I'm sure, was still a factor with, with Alabama recruits, but I would say just not quite as much because you're selling a guy on, hey, you're, you're the next in line of countless guys who have been down this same path. And – you know, I think there was probably still some brand NIL money to be made mm-hmm. because if you're if you're Bryce Young, na- he, did, nat- he did very well on that. Yeah. yeah, national brands want to work with you because you are a national name. But for a lot of these other guys, maybe that track was not there. But you maybe don't care because you have some mm-hmm. vision for the future and, and getting drafted very highly. That is now gone. And That's right. I, I I think guys they made a great hire in terms of X's and O's. Now, we're going to find out how much does the word fit mean because it, it, it's not – you didn't go hire a guy with a bunch of Southeast ties that understands Alabama, that has been in the SEC. Like, we, we know it's a different world down here. That's not just a catchphrase, right? you know, that it just means more. So we're, we're going to find out a lot. Does just being a great coach, which I do think he is, is that enough? You mentioned it being a different world here in the SEC. One school's coming in that might be in for a little bit of a reality check come next season. Some headlines made last night in in regards to Texas and Horns Down. We'll get into that coming up. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, the 107.5 Game App, and streaming live on the Game TV presented by Shepherd's Glass. in to Austin, takes down Texas 77-71. to There was a little uh, bit of heatedness in the post-game handshake when a couple of the Central Florida players gave the now well-known horns down as they were shaking hands with the Texas players, and Texas's coach, Rodney Terry, took exception to that, had some words to say to the Central Florida players, and was asked about it in his post-game presser and gave his thoughts on teams giving the horns down. You know, I'm a big believer in... Uh you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line. I'm proud of getting to the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down like like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you. But we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. One, if you beat somebody in their home court, I feel like you're entitled to act any way that you want. And two, 
Texas has this realm of control in the Big 12 to where on the football side of things, penalties were assessed if you gave the horns down after like scoring a touchdown against Texas or whatever it may be. They're coming into the SEC where they're not going to have that same amount of control. If they think this is bad, I can't imagine what they're going to deal with come next year. Guys, what what is the big deal about the horns down? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get I, it. it. It is, I mean... It's this huge deal. It's just it's a hand signal. Like it's not like they're it, flipping them off. Uh, Although an NC State guy did get that's called. True. I did. That. You know, I did see that. That was uh, he was was at least behind the back of the official. You can't you can't do that. I mean, but I feel like people act like it's worse than getting a bird flipped at you. Like it, the horns. Just, oh oh my goodness. You know, it's, well, it's they, the, they act the, so offended the, by the, it. The disrespect. You don't come into someone's home court like. Bro, it's just it's a hand signal pointed in the wrong direction. They beat you. Like I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Were, were they were they putting them in their putting it in their their faces? It was kind of one of those things. Like I as they're it. as they're going through shaking hands, you know, they're just kind of flashing at them, like <laughs> as, as you would expect. Right, it. That's, Look, that's a little. Th- this is and this is it's not necessarily a rivalry, so to speak, but it's a conference game, and Central Florida's got to feel good about going into Texas in their first year in the Big Twelve and winning against what is known as one of the better programs in college basketball. More often than not, like that's a big deal to them. I can understand feeling that way and you know wanting to show up a little bit. Um, but again, it's not this like horrible, horrible thing. It's a hand signal. Yeah, I, I think sort of doing it in their faces and the. <laughs> In the sh- handshake line, I'd, I'd be a little ticked too. But hey, hey, guess what? I kind of, I kind of see both sides though. Like I, I, I don't really, I don't really have any fault with the coach defending his team and his school either. Now, I, I think seeing hands down, you know, just in general or horns down, whatever it is. I obviously don't care enough to, to even know what it is, but it's. It's silly for that to be like you kick somebody's dog or something. Yeah, like that's I mean, not. Th- there's levels to that too. I mean, it, like getting penalized for it in a game, a football game, is ridiculous. If you want to take exception to how it was done, okay. I mean, sure. I, I am not of that. Se- like, I would have addressed it with my team personally and been like, you know, if, if somebody asked me in the press conference, I really believe I would just say, I mean, they beat us. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can do whatever you want. Sure. I mean. Like, and, and and coaches a lot of times, not that Rodney Terry has done this. I, I don't know what his views on it are, but a lot of times we've got coaches nowadays, ah, kids nowadays have changed, they're soft, blah, 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 but then we're going to get overly offended by a hand signal right. when you got beat. So, you know, that's what I'd it, tell my team. Don't don't it, get beat if you, if you don't want that. I, I like what Greg Sankey said when he was asked about this. I think it was at SEC Media Days with the anticipation of Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference. Like, are you going to offer the same protections over horns down as the Big 12 game to Texas? And he's like, no. Like, we're, we're not going to do that. Could it be a penalty if it's excessive? Sure. But, like, I don't think flashing the horns down if you score a touchdown in Austin is going to – you know, negate you 15 yards like it does in the Big 12. Guys, do you remember when you're a kid and somebody did something just messing with you or picking on you and you let it get to you, but then you let the other person know that it get to you? Oh, yeah. What are they going to do? Do it more. It, exactly. So <laughs> if Texas would just ignore this, people wouldn't do it. But now coming in the SEC, I mean, 
you have exposed your weakness, and apparently it is that you get heavily offended by your hand signal being upside down. So it's going to be everywhere, I think. Oh, yeah, no, every rival fan base they're going into on the road in the SEC is going to do it. Imagine we're going to see it after some touchdowns again, especially if you know that it's not going to be a penalty. I don't think Sark has necessarily spoken out about it, but, yeah, when your head basketball coach is that in his feelings uh, against it, you're just going to encourage it more. Imagine, I know Texas and LSU played in 2019. I think that was in Austin. Yes. I don't know the last time that uh, – so the modern version of Texas, the first time they go to Baton Rouge and hear <laughs> Neck – Probably with everybody singing it, doing horns down, they're going to be, I guess, just absolutely aghast just, when that uh, happens. Uh, uh, unbelievable. I Un- can't believe they would act this way. <laughs> well, go beat them and they'll stop doing it, maybe. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.